What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Lunch Pail Legends College Football Playoff Semi-Final Recap Show. That was a mouthful. Finally, we got two legit semifinal games. I was a little worried during the Michigan TCU game that that game was going to suck. Ended up being awesome. Ohio State, Georgia, great game. Those were, I mean, two of the best playoff games, period, we've had in one night. Great, great football games. I was, I'm ecstatic about it. I, I just thought they were very fun games to watch, especially Ohio State, Georgia. That might, honestly, that might have been kind of the national championship game. If I'm, we'll see. We'll see how Georgia TCU goes, but man, it's hard to, at this point in time, it's hard to think those weren't the two best teams in the country. I know Ohio State had just gotten their doors blown off by Michigan, but now I'm starting to wonder if that game was just a fluke because boy, did Michigan not look very good. Um, Let's get into that game first. Let's talk about TCU Michigan. I'm not going to give a recruiting update this week. I'll jump into recruiting hard uh, after the national championship game when there's not as much to talk about. But right now, come on, we got content upon content. We got we got the playoff going on. USC defense blew it again. It's just unbelievable. Uh, I I watched I I watched as much of the Rose Bowl as I could, but I'm. Thanks for showing up, Utah. Once again, failing to represent the Pac-12. Um, yeah, I was mostly focused on the playoff, as should everybody, because what does it mean to be a Rose Bowl champ? You won a bowl game. Unless it's part of the playoff, like, really, what does it mean? What does it mean to win the Cotton Bowl? What does it mean to win the Orange Bowl, the Sugar Bowl? This year, what uh, the Fiesta Bowl, oh, not the Fiesta Bowl, no, sorry, Fiesta Bowl was an important game this year. But what does it mean to win those games? This, this is the you know the blessing and the curse of having a playoff. I think when it was just the BCS, since it was just one game and only two teams were invited, and usually most years it was pretty predictable, maybe one team left out. I think bowl games meant a lot more then. Now that there are four teams, there's more of a chance of your team getting in. Once you're out of the playoff, it, the bowl games just don't mean as much anymore. That's why we have to expand the playoff. Because the Orange Bowl this year means nothing to me. If I'm a Tennessee fan, it's like, okay, cool. We won the Orange Bowl. It means nothing. We didn't win anything. It's a consolation prize. Okay, you're Penn State. Cool, we beat Utah. We won the Rose Bowl. Which means what? It's like the NFL having an NIT tournament. Like, okay, here you go, Jets. You can play the... the Texans and it'll be your bowl game. Who cares? We, I'm very excited to expand the 12 team playoff. If I haven't made that clear already, let's make these bowl games matter. You know, there's going to be a bunch of playoff games now with 12 teams and uh, let's make these games matter. Screw these Fluff bowls. You went six and six. You get to play in a bowl game. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, maybe 
you're an Oregon State fan. You're pumped about beating Florida. Maybe you should be. I don't know. But to me, it's like it doesn't mean anything. Um, you're just playing for fifth place, I guess. <laughs> All right, let's talk about TCU Michigan. No more negativity. Well, there will be some more negativity, I'm sure. But so much of what I predicted in this game came out the exact opposite. Uh, This Michigan TCU game makes no sense to me. Makes no sense. Aside from a big rush by Donovan Edwards on the first play, Michigan did not run the ball well, which was shocking. TCU, on the other hand, ran the ball really well, even when their starter... Kendra Miller got hurt. TCU outrushed Michigan 263 to 186. TCU outrushed Michigan. What? TCU, TCU played an incredible game up front. To do what they did against one of the best offensive lines in the country is a testament to their will and to the TCU coaching staff. Uh, They beat Michigan at their own game. TCU wasn't supposed to stop Michigan's run game. TCU wasn't wasn't supposed to run against Michigan's front seven. But they did on both sides of the ball. For much of this game, TCU was the aggressor. They looked like the bully, not Michigan. They were kind of pushing Michigan around. I predicted that Michigan would control the line of scrimmage. It was the opposite. I thought TCU dominated. I didn't think Michigan was the better team. Maybe they have more five stars, more four stars. I don't know. I watched the full game, and then I watched... I don't know if any of you out there have YouTube TV, but they have this cool feature where it shows back like key plays. It's usually like 40 to 50, maybe 60 of the the best plays. A lot of times it's like any play over 10 yards. Um, Then I watched that too. I don't know. Watching it back that way and watching the full game, I kind of felt like TCU was the better team, at least that night. Maybe if they played 10 times, maybe Michigan wins six or seven. Maybe not. TCU just looked like the better team to me. Every time it looked like Michigan was going to take over the game, TCU marched right down the field and scored. And credit to Michigan, they kept coming back too. They kept punching back too. But TCU kept punching them back too. (laughs) Nobody had done that to Michigan this year. In the second half, Michigan gets rolling, and the other team rolls over. TCU is like, no, like we're here. This isn't anything new to us. TCU's also a second-half team, and they kept punching them back. Aside from the final drive, I can't recall a Michigan drive where they had a chance to take the lead or even tie. They were always down more than one score, except for that final drive, obviously at the very beginning. But like for most of that game, when Michigan had the ball, they were not able to even tie the game. TCU was up by 10 or 11 or 14, 20, they were up by 19 at one point in the second half. It was like 41-22, I think, was the, was the score at one point in the second half. I thought it was over. So again, credit to Michigan for fighting back 
you know, JJ McCarthy did some JJ McCarthy things. And I don't mean that in a good way. Um, I think sometimes he just isn't a very good quarterback and sometimes he is, and he made some bad mistakes, two pick sixes and credit the guy for just being gritty. He kept playing hard, you know, when it wasn't working with his arm, he'd tuck it and run. He played hard. JJ McCarthy played hard. The whole Michigan team, they didn't give up, but uh, they got pushed around a little bit. Um, and, and TCU wasn't the only team that got breaks. You know, I know I just talked about the two pick sixes they had. First of all, uh, one of them they just took. It was just a good play by the defender. I'm trying to recall the other pick six. Oh, oh gosh. And the other one was just an absolutely horrendous throw by JJ McCarthy. Anyway, I'll get I'll actually get to that in a second, but um but Michigan also recovered a TCU fumble at the, uh, at the end of the third quarter uh at the TCU 30-yard line. And then Michigan went down and scored quick. So they got some breaks too. It's not like TCU was the and and, and also I mean they got a few breaks. Max Duggan threw a couple of dimes one right in his receiver's chest that bounced off his chest and Michigan picked it off. That That's not a good defensive play. That's a lucky defensive play. So for those of you out there who are saying, oh, well, TCU had two pick sixes, that's not going to happen every time. Yeah, well, TCU's receivers aren't going to drop balls thrown right at their face and right into a Michigan defender. That That's not going to happen every day either. Michigan got breaks just like TCU did. Um. All right. So... I want to get into what I got right and what I got wrong. Um, Cause well, I guess not what I got wrong. I just went over basically everything that I got wrong, which was TCU dominating the line of scrimmage. That was my biggest prediction. And that was the basis of my entire argument of Michigan, you know, covering the seven and a half. And I thought they were just going to dominate. I didn't think TCU would be able to keep up at the line of scrimmage. And they did. Sorry. sneeze just came on and then went away um all right so what i got right i did get some things right with this game i said max duggan would be the best qb on the field and he was the stat line is is a little misleading um he had four total touchdowns in this game two passing two rushing he did have two interceptions but both of his picks were tipped balls that should have been caught they were good throws by max duggan shouldn't have been picked off so Luck, lucky plays by Michigan. You know, when, when you got a tip ball, a ball that was well thrown, the receiver just drops it. It's not a good defensive play. The guy was open. He just dropped it. Um, so don't just look at the stat line for Max Duggan and assume, oh, he had two interceptions. He didn't play that well. No, he made some really great plays in this game. And I thought he was just the better quarterback. He was better than JD McCarthy tonight. Um, and then contrast that to JJ McCarthy's two picks two pick sixes. Um, they were both bad. One of them was, one of them was a, was a pretty good play by the defender, the corner. He just jumped an out route and took it to the house, like like 20, 30 yards, something like that. That was a good play by the defender, but still JJ McCarthy should have seen him. And the other one was, I mean, McCarthy just didn't see a backer um, drop into coverage and he just threw it right to him. It was an easy pick six. Um, Sometimes being the best QB on the field is not about, is about, sorry. Sometimes being the best QB on the field is about not making terrible decisions. It's about, you know, refraining from that throw. 
you know, you want to, you want to make the big play, but sometimes it's like, ah, it's just not there. I'm going to tuck it. I'll take a sack. You know, when you're watching it, it's, it's like, oh, come on, get rid of it. But if nothing's there, don't force it. Sometimes that's being the better quarterback. Um, and that's what Duggan did. And that's what McCarthy didn't do. So McCarthy's stats were better, but Duggan was the better QB. Um, again, JJ made some great plays in this game. He showed some real grit, but you, you just can't throw two picks in a game, two pick sixes and expect to win a playoff game. It's, it's probably not going to happen. It's not in the cards. Another thing I got right was Quentin Johnston would be awesome and make big time plays. And boy, did he ever six catches for 163 yards and a touchdown, including a 76 yard touchdown that you probably remember. Uh, pretty much sealed the game. I think that that put him up by two scores um, pretty late in the game. I think there was, I don't know, like eight to 10 minutes left. Um, so Quentin Johnston, big time player, big time plays. Um, I put that as a, a case for TCU to win. And my, my, really my two cases for TCU was you're going to have the best quarterback on the field and you're going to have the best receiver on the field. And both of them showed up to play and they both played well. And that's the reason they won. Well, partially. Another big reason they won is because they were able to run the ball really well, which again, shocking, but they did. They figured it out. Um, I predicted that Michigan would be able to slow down the TCU passing attack like they did against Ohio State. Um, I know I was just talking about Max Duggan. They actually did a decent job of this. Aside from Quentin Johnston, TCU's leading receiver after Johnston, Johnston was Jordan, uh, was Jordan Hudson with 34 yards. That was their leading receiver after Quentin Johnston. So, I mean, Michigan actually slowed down TCU's passing attack pretty well aside from Quentin Johnston. <laughs> but again, that's kind of what I overlooked as I was like, okay, well, I think Michigan can slow down this passing attack. Well, yeah, they did. But they also gave up big plays to their best players, to TCU's best players. And that's a recipe to lose. Um, if you let the best players make the best plays, uh, you're in trouble. So in the end, when push came to shove, TCU didn't allow a single yard on the final Michigan drive. Go and watch it again. Maybe you forgot. Not a single yard. Michigan had the chance right then and there to win the game. All excuses aside, you had the chance to win it right there. And they didn't. Okay? Whether you thought there were bad calls by the officials, whether you felt like, you know, Michigan just had uncharacteristic mistakes, whatever. It was a clean slate right there at the end of the game. They were down by six. They could have scored a touchdown and they could have won the game right there. However poorly you played the rest of the game, that was it. They didn't do it. TCU didn't allow a yard. They went and took it and give them all the credit in the world. TCU went and took that game. And uh, I'm not making a prediction on the national championship game tonight, but I'm going to have to figure out a way because <laughs> neither Georgia or TCU want to lose. 
no one wants to lose, but you know what I mean? Like we, how many times have we collectively picked TCU to lose games? They lost the big 12 championship game, but if we're being honest, that game didn't really matter that much. TCU got in regardless. It's kind of like, you know, if Michigan had lost or if Georgia had lost, they were in, didn't matter. TCU lost, didn't matter. They were in. Um, I've picked against TCU time and time and time and time again. I don't know what I'm going to do in the national championship game. And that's the honest truth. I might pick, I might pick TCU to win it outright. I am not sure. <laughs> Georgia right now is a 13 point favorite. Uh, I'm going to have to do some research before I give my prediction. That'll be another episode. I'll do one later this week. I'll probably release it on Friday. FYI. So keep an eye out for that. I'll give my prediction for the national title game on Friday. Um, Let's get into Ohio State and Georgia. I would like to issue a formal apology to CJ Stroud. I have been on him for about half the season. I've said he's not good under pressure. I have said that he's not clutch. I've said he's not as accurate as people say he is. And he proved me wrong against Georgia. And I'm willing to admit that. I'm willing to admit that that CJ Stroud proved me wrong against one of the best defenses in the country. That wasn't against USC's defense. That was against Georgia. Now, I will say Georgia's defense, um, we've been on them all year as you know, the best defense in the country. There's a dip from last year. They're not as good as last year. Their defense, their offense, I think is better than last year, but their defense is not as good as last year. Um, Their secondary is vulnerable, but CJ Stroud made them look a lot worse than they actually are. Nobody's done that to Georgia this year. And CJ Stroud ripped them apart for 48 minutes. They had no answer for CJ Stroud. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigma not playing, didn't play the the game. He hasn't played the whole season, basically. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. got hurt, lost him, didn't matter. He just found everyone, anyone. (laughs) Just put him out there. Put me out there. Stroud would have found me. (laughs) He was awesome. He showed me something I hadn't seen before, athleticism and pocket presence. I honestly kind of thought C.J. Stroud was a bit of a statue until – until the, until that semifinal game, he showed a lot. There was one specific play, I believe, and it was in the first half, where he evaded a couple Georgia defenders in the pocket. It was beautiful to watch. Stepped up, rolled out to the right a little bit, and made an incredible throw in the end zone to Marvin Harrison Jr. It was, I mean, it took my breath away like three different points in that play. It was awesome. It was awesome. And he made plays like that all night. Um, rolling out, stepping up in the pocket, you know, took some hits. Credit those Ohio State offensive line. They protected him incredibly well, incredibly well. Um, But when Ohio State needed to play, he delivered, especially with his legs. That's what surprised me more than anything. I feel much better about his ability to face pressure in the NFL. Much, much better. To be fair, he wasn't under a ton of pressure against Georgia. He did take some hits, but like I said, Ohio State's offensive line played a tremendous game. They were awesome, uh, but there were still there were still high pressure plays 
And that's what I wanted to see him under. I wanted to see him, you know, you're down. What are you going to do? Um, you know, right before half, Georgia had scored like 21 unanswered, maybe. No, not that much. 17 unanswered, I believe, because it was 21-7, and then Georgia made it 24-7. to So, yeah, 17 unanswered, and down three with, like, I don't know, less than two minutes left, Stroud leads them right down the field and makes just this beautiful touch pass, beautiful touch pass, right, uh, right up the seam for a touchdown. It was gorgeous. Um, I love when quarterbacks are able to show some touch like that. It was beautiful. Um, CJ Stroud deserved to win that game. He didn't, but he deserved to win it. He uh, he showed accuracy in tight windows, the ability to put some touch, like I said, create spot space in the pocket where it, did, it looked like the pocket was collapsing. He steps up, moves around a little, makes some space in the pocket. You're going to have to do that in the NFL. And he showed the ability to do it. He was the best player on the field all night long, even though Stetson stole the glory at the end. CJ Stroud was the best football player on the field last on not last night, a couple nights ago. New Year's Eve. Best player on the field. Um, I was also a hater of Stetson Bennett for the long time. And I love and hate how both of these guys came out and balled. Hate it because they're making me look bad. Love it because I don't hate the guys. I'm just calling it out, calling it as I see it. If I don't think someone's good, I'll say it. And they both proved me wrong. They both willed their teams all the way till the end. Stetson came out on top, but both of these guys showed why they were Heisman finalists. All right. What I got wrong. I was wrong in predicting Georgia to cover the spread. Obviously. Ohio State could have could have won that game. They were a, missed, a made field goal away from being in the national title game. So obviously, didn't cover the spread. Um, I will say... I was right. My gut should have gone with my gut. I don't know if you remember last episode. I said, my gut's telling me to take Ohio state. I should have taken them to cover not to win, obviously. Um, but I didn't have the balls to do it. Should have whatever hindsight's 2020 could have, should have, would have. And another thing I got wrong is I'm just done hating on CJ Stroud. I was wrong about CJ Stroud. You know, I just wanted to see a game where he was put in a tough situation and handled it well, and he did. In terms of NFL potential, I still have Bryce Young ahead of Stroud. I just think Bryce Young is uh, the only thing I'm worried about with Bryce Young is his size. That's not a concern with Stroud. Um, he is an NFL-sized quarterback. CJ Stroud is the prototype. Um I still like Bryce Young just a little bit better, but man, it's a heck of a lot closer. I was on the CJ Stroud's going to bust bandwagon, and I am off that. I think he's going to be awesome in the NFL. Um, so I got that wrong. What I got right. Um, I said in my prediction that Georgia's weakness is their pass defense, including their inability to get to the quarterback. And Ohio State exploited that big time. Um. Unlike the Michigan game, uh, where where some critical predictions went to crap, 
Uh, this game I actually went played out similarly similarly to how I thought it would, which is great. I just didn't pick. If I would have picked Ohio State to cover, um, I kind of would have had this game nailed to be honest, but I didn't. So whatever. Um, if I would have believed more in CJ Stroud, I probably would have picked them to cover. But again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, I did think Ohio State would be able to exploit the Georgia secondary, but I didn't think it would be that dramatic of an exploitation. But whatever. At least the prediction was partially true. So I was I was wrong in a sense that I didn't believe in it enough, <laughs> but I did think that Georgia's secondary was vulnerable. And Ohio State absolutely uh, took advantage of that. Um, another prediction is that Georgia doesn't really take the ball away. And guess what? They had zero takeover, takeaways. Negative one turnover margin. Stetson had an interception. Um, so they didn't really turn the ball over either, except for that one. But, um, but yeah, negative turnover margin. They just don't, they don't take the ball away. They haven't all year really, um, at a high level and, um, Ohio state didn't turn the ball over. I said, you know, CJ Stroud doesn't really throw interceptions and Georgia doesn't really take the ball away. So that'd be an advantage for Ohio state. And it was the turnover margin was, you know, plus one for Ohio state. Um, I said, Ohio state had several weeks to prepare against a similar team to Michigan. Um, I thought they would make adjustments and did they ever against Michigan? They played it safe against Georgia. Aside from that run play at the end of the game. I mean, they went right at Georgia all night. Um, they obviously made adjustments defensively too. I, I, you know, against Michigan, they just, stacked the box. They didn't do that. They didn't do that necessarily against Georgia. They played a much more balanced approach. And uh, I mean, they still gave up a lot of points, but I think the difference here was they, uh, cause they did give up some big plays to, to Georgia, not necessarily the 75 yarders, but they gave up a lot of, you know, 15, 20 chunk yard plays. Um, but I think the more balanced approach prevented those huge gainers that I thought might happen if they stacked the box. Um, another prediction, Ohio State wouldn't be able to run the ball, and they couldn't. They didn't run the ball well, at least in the conventional sense. Uh, Stroud ripped off some nice improvised runs. But other than that, um, I think he may have been their leading rusher. Let me pull the stats up again real quick. Um, so, come on. Almost. So Hayden had 43 yards, Stroud had 34, Johnson had 28. Mayan Williams only had, did he get hurt? I don't remember Mayan Williams getting hurt. He only had three rushes. That's surprising. Hmm. All right, well, interesting. I don't know why they didn't play Mayan Williams more. Um, They didn't run the ball well. And then they averaged like three-something yards a clip. Um, not really going to get it done. And that's what I thought would happen. Um, the difference was uh, their passing game was just clicking on all cylinders. I said they'd be in a lot of third and long situations. Uh, they were because they couldn't run the ball really. Uh, they just converted more of them. Uh, let's see. Uh, I said Stetson Benton. Stetson. 
Stetson Bennett is a better quarterback than J.J. McCarthy, and Ohio State wouldn't be able to stack the box. That was correct. Ohio State chose to not stack the box. They respected Stetson, but Stetson still made it happen. They did contain him fairly well um, in the first half, uh, but Stetson made a lot, made some some big-time plays, particularly in the fourth quarter. He just made it happen in a way that I just don't think J.J. McCarthy is able to do. So I was right there. Uh, they were playing a better quarterback than they did against Michigan. Uh, and you could see that respect. Ohio State did not respect J.J. McCarthy, but they absolutely respected Stetson. And they didn't just put seven guys in the box every play. I do want to talk for a minute about this. Is This will kind of be the last thing I talk about with the Ohio State Georgia Georgia game. I want to talk about that run play that Ryan Day called with 24 seconds left. Uh, it's taken a lot of heat, including in my own mind. Uh, little context: 24 seconds left. Ohio State uh, uh, CJ Stroud had just ripped off like a 30 yard rush scramble, um, got him into field goal range barely. They're on like the edge of field goal range. And Ohio State decides to run the ball. A little more context into this. When they lined up, Georgia had five on the line of scrimmage and a linebacker over the right guard about three yards off the ball. Ohio State puts a guy in motion. Now, a lot of times, most of the time, when you, when you put a guy in motion, you're hoping for movement. Especially if you're running the ball, you're hoping to clear out a guy from the box. So Ohio State was hoping that that linebacker over the right guard would shift with that motion guy, that that receiver in motion, which would create just enough space for the for the offensive line to open up a hole for the for the run, running back to get through. The problem is the bike the backer does not bite on the motion and blitzes instead. Uh, this actually left the motion guy wide open in the flat. If Ohio State throws a screen there you know, fakes to the back and throws a screen, he likely picks up 10 yards because the remaining DBs were playing more than 10 yards off the ball. There was a lot of space over there. Assuming that that receiver out wide blocks for the guy in the slot, um, the guy in, or the guy in the flat, I mean, at least five to 10 yards on that screen pass. Um, so that, that was just, you know, Another observation. Additionally, Georgia, but Georgia also blitzed another DB. So totaling seven men for Georgia against five down linemen and a tight end for Ohio State. Now you do the math. Can you block seven guys with six? Typically, no, especially not against a team that is elite against the rush. But I'm just trying to think through Ryan Day's head here. If that backer shifts out, with the motion man and Georgia doesn't call that blitz from that DB Ohio state has six hats on five and probably gets five to 10 yards because the middle of the field was pretty open. If they block those five guys, they got a little space and now all of a sudden it's, you know, a 40 yard field goal instead of a 49 yard field goal or a 43 yard field goal instead of a 49 yard field goal. And now all of a sudden it's a it's a much different conversation if they get five to ten yards on that rush. Ohio State still had two timeouts. Um I don't know. 
you know, maybe it's a stretch, but I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out what Ryan day was doing there rather than assuming he's a coward. Go watch the play again. You know, go back to that, that play with 24 seconds left. You know, the look didn't look terrible. Again, if that, if that linebacker motions out with the motion man and they don't call a DB blitz, you know, it was, it was kind of just a perfect call by the defense. And I mean, how's Ryan day supposed to know that he's blitzing? I'm, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here because everyone's hating on that play call. And, you know, I've listened to it all weekend. I went back, looked at the play based on the initial look. It doesn't look crazy to run the ball there. Um, you know, you get, you get those six hats on those five, you know, five at the line of scrimmage. And there was some space right past the line of scrimmage. The problem is here, here is my biggest issue with this. And I'm not saying I agree with the call to run there because again, if you throw it out to the flat, you're probably getting five to 10 yards. My problem with this is Ohio state had not ran the ball well all night. So why would you, as Ryan day, like why would you assume that you're going to be able to do it there? They had, they just hadn't ran the ball consistently all night long. Aside from CJ Stroud scrambles. Um, plus we just, why take it out of CJ Stroud's hands? He was your best player all night. Why give it to someone else? Let him make a play. He had four touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, close to 400 total yards on the night. Put it in his hands. Um, I lean towards, it was just kind of a cowardly call, but I don't know. I, I think maybe Ryan Day just overthought the situation. Maybe he was trying to catch him off guard. Um, but sometimes in those situations, don't overthink it. You have the best player on the field in CJ Stroud. Use him. Don't give it to somebody else. Let him make the play. Uh, Ohio State had their foot on the pedal all night long. They took it off a little bit right there and it cost them. It's a bummer. It's a bummer because Ryan Day coached a great game. I think he coached better than Kirby Smart. But he took his foot off the pedal right there. And, and it ended up being the difference. Now, again, the kicker is the one who missed the field goal. So there should be some heat on him. Um, You know, it was a 49-yard field goal, I believe. That is a long field goal, especially at the end of a game. But it's not like it was they were asking him to kick a 60-yarder. You know, a lot of college kickers can make a 49 yard field goal. Um, so some press, some of the blame has to be on the kicker. You can't just take all the blame off of him. He's the one who missed the kick. Um, but it it is, you know, a bummer for Ohio state. Great game. You know, Stetson Bennett. What a story, man. What a story. I, if they win another national title, they, I hope they make a movie about him. To be honest, I'd watch it. I'd go to the theater for it. I think it would make an amazing movie. You know, a kid who started, I believe, at Georgia as a walk-on, transferred to a junior college, transferred back to Georgia, wins the starting job, and wins two national titles and ends up as a Heisman finalist. What? That's a crazy story. Um, 
And, and, you know, there, there are other guys who have, who have taken an unconventional route. I mean, Aaron Rodgers went to a Juco, but I don't think anyone would argue that Stephen Bennett has the physical qualities of Aaron Rodgers. He's, he's, he's doing this without the qualities that typically you need to, to do these things. It's pretty incredible. He, he's a very, very good college quarterback. Um, I'm kind of starting to think he might make an NFL roster. Not as a starter, but he could be like a, I don't know, like a Taylor Heineke. You know, just kind of this underdog guy who is on a roster. Nobody wants him to be their starter, but he goes in and just kind of overachieves. I could see Stetson Bennett doing that. I don't think he'll have a long storied NFL career, but who knows? He's been proving doubters wrong his whole career so far. Why not? Why not more? That is all I have for these two games. Um, It was just awesome. It's so good to see two great semifinal games. A lot of times they're blowouts and they're just not that fun to watch. These were two great games and it was a pleasure to watch. It was a pleasure to watch. And I'm excited for TCU Georgia. Don't write off the Horned Frogs. Be careful. Write them off at your peril because we've all done it all year and I'm afraid to do it. Again, I'll be back Friday. Um, I'll probably release it Friday morning. My predictions for the college football playoff uh, national championship game. So keep an eye out for that. If you haven't already, leave a five-star review. Share this podcast with your friends, with your family. I would greatly appreciate it. If they love college football, they'll love this podcast. I'll only, you know, it'll just keep getting better as I learn this whole podcasting thing. I'm still new to it. Um, But also look out for a new name. Um, I'm going to be rebranding the podcast here pretty soon. Um, So keep an eye out for that. If you see uh, maybe a notification, also subscribe to notifications so you know you know, whenever a new episode comes out, it's helpful. I like to do that with my favorite podcast so I can see, oh, a new episode of so-and-so came out. Um, so do that. Hit the little the little bell, I think, so that you can, at least on Spotify, um, so you can see new episodes coming out every week. Um, again, even after the college football playoff is over, I'll cover recruiting. I'll cover spring practices. Um, I'll do some fun episodes where I'll do top 10 lists and things like that. I'll, I'll make it fun over the off season, but this podcast is not going anywhere. It's going to be college football year round. Um, get ready for it. I'm excited for it. Um, excited for the national title game. Again, look out for the episode on Friday until next week or until Friday. Gosh, right after I said it until Friday, I'm out.